glad to see all of you today. Praise God. Um, I know most of you, you, you met with one another last night as well. So, you know, uh, that's amazing about our church is that uh, we don't, we're not only a Sunday church because uh, there's so much that's going on in this church during the week. I, I was talking with our youth leaders just, uh, just uh, this past several weeks and we've been making, we're making plans for our youth ministry. And, and, and they were telling me, you know, Pastor Al, uh, looks like even though our ch- church is not that big, but but looks like we're doing more things than what big churches uh, uh, do. I mean, big churches don't have as much activities as us. And there's good and bad there, right? It keeps me awake all the time and <laughs> busy all the time. But but we we really uh, we really want to meet with one another, right? On a, as often as we want. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that we are to love one another. And uh, last uh, Thursday, we had our first uh, meeting with a young adult. As we First meeting for, uh, 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 first meeting on studying the foundations of the Christian faith. Uh, and Carlo and Elena has been leading that group. So if you are a young adult, uh, I know all of you are young adults. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are single, or even not single, but so most of the young adults, they're in their 30s or less than 30. Uh, I encourage you to come to that, uh, uh, especially if you're still single, because we're trying to focus more on, on uh, you know, being single. <laughs> what does it mean to be a, a, you know, a single person in, a, in the eyes of Christ? But we're going to the, the foundations of the Christian faith, and it's very important. Uh, we're talking about the Bible right now. And I hope that was a good experience for those who were there. Right? I hope. <laughs> pray. I pray that God will use that. Okay. So, so last um, Sunday, we did some kind of a memorial service, integrated into our service, because one of our brothers, uh, if you remember, some of you uh, who are new here, uh, uh, who are, who's been here just today, um, we lost one of our brothers this past several weeks. Uh, his name is Juan Sanchez, and we... We are sad that we, we lost him, that he's not with us anymore. And I, I do remember that he sat on that area, that side there. Uh, and, but we're also joyful at the same time because we know that he is with the Lord. Amen? And, 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 and the promise for us believers that if you are absent in your body, you are present in the Lord, with the Lord in heaven. That's really what the Bible teaches us. And, and, and so... so that's why last Sunday we talked about the, the, the concept of death, that death is not something that we believers should fear. And I know it's normal for us to be afraid of something as death because, you know, there's pain involved and, 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 and also that there's, in, there's something involved where this thing that you're going to be separated from your families or from your loved ones. That's why there's this fear. But that kind of fear is very, it's, it's just temporary. Because once you cross the doors of death, as a believer, you are with Christ. You're, you're with Him. And you are in heaven with Him. And so, so we talk about this. And in fact, towards the end of, no, not just towards the end, but the end of time, during the end of time, the end of all ends, we talk about this last week, that, that Christ Himself will destroy death. It'll, it will be the death of death. In the end times, at the end of end of, of history. But today I want to spend time on what we all Christians believe 
and, and look forward to. And it's called the second coming of Christ. So, so today we're going to have a glimpse of the second coming. And I hope all of you have a program because there are some things there I want you to, to answer uh, as we go through this. Um, Rala, can you give me a copy, one copy as well? Yeah. I just want to show you that uh, the back of this, uh, this at the sec second, uh, I would say the third page of the program, there are blank spaces there. So let's answer this as we go, um, as we go through the glimpse, this, a glimpse of second coming. And all the passages that I'm using today, most of it are, are in, that, uh, in that page as well. So you can look at this later on. You know, growing up, when I was, uh, I don't know what, how old I was, but some of you probably are still, are, are probably too young already to remember this or you were not there yet. But that was the time when there was, there was this movie that really captivated me. And I, don't, I think it was a really amazing movie that a lot of people were really, uh, you know, their imagination was just uh, expanded with this movie. It's called the movie, the movie is called Back to the Future. Uh, and it was, the, you know, the, the star of the movie was Michael J. Fox. And, and it, this was a story about a young man and a, and a professor that they ended up, you know, going to the past uh, with his car, like a time machine kind of car, like a DeLorean. I think the car was a DeLorean. And, 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 and he was able to go to the time of his, the, you know, of his parents when they were, his parents were younger. It was an amazing story because, you know, that was the first time I believe in my own experience I don't know with you, but for me, that was my first exposure to what the world calls time machines, right? And, and today, there's a lot of movie now, movies now that talks about traveling through time, right? Even the recent movie Avengers uh, uh, Endgame, there were, they were, there were some parts there that it, it went back in time. Now, the reason why I wanted to point this out, because in our, in our culture today, we think the time of time travel is possible because of all that we believe that, you know, science has probably come to a point of understanding that maybe time travel is possible. You know, we have all these movies and, and things that we read. But here's the reality. It's fiction. It's fiction. This is, these are just stuff of movies and books. But in reality... It does not exist. I know there's hope among scientists because of the theory of relativity, but uh, wormholes and things like that. But, but it's fiction. And, and we know that as believers, only God knows the future. Only God knows the future. No human being, no human being can can figure out what's going to happen thousands of years from now, 500 years from now. No human being can ever do that. You agree? Can you imagine of a person that's going to live 500 years from now? And maybe his name is June. <laughs> and he lives in uh, maybe, maybe in Laredo or something. And he's going to have three kids. 500 years from now? It's impossible, right? It's impossible. Let me give you one, one account of someone who knew about the future. You know, in 1780, this, this was a painting by David uh, Roberts. 
and it was painted back in the 1850. But this is a, just a drawing or a painting of, of the siege of Jerusalem, and it happened in 7080. Okay? The year 70. Do you know that 40 years before this event, Jesus said that the entire city of Jerusalem, even the temple, is going to be destroyed, raised to the ground. Not even a single stone is going to be on top of one another. That's what Jesus said. 40 years earlier. Imagine that. And it actually happened. You can read about this in your Bible. Jesus said those words. And we know that the last book, uh, the, uh, you know, the, we know that Jesus died around 30 AD, the year 3080. So this is 40 years after Jesus' crucifixion. And it happened. During the time of Emperor, Emperor Vespasian, and, and his son Titus was the general who, who went and destroyed the temple. So, so it did happen. And this is, these are one of many prophecies in the Bible that has already that has already happened. So if you still have any doubts about the Bible, you can talk to me and I will tell you what are all those prophecies in the Bible that were written thousands and thousands of years ago and they already happened in our lifetime and even in our past. The nation of Israel became a nation in 1948 that was also part of the prophecy. And it just happened recently, 1948. You know, so, as Christians, we have a different view about history because we know that God has already foretold many aspects of history. And we have a God who is all-knowing, and the Bible uses, the, we, we use this word omniscient. So, that's the answer to the first question there. Uh, omniscient means all-knowing. If you don't know that word, it means all-knowing. God knows the past, God knows the present, and He knows the future. He is all-knowing. And, and, and He revealed certain things to us about the future. You know, there's many things about the future that, that is not revealed in Scripture. In fact, uh, there are pretty much everything, everything is not uh, revealed in the Bible. Not, not everything is revealed in the Bible, but there are major events. You know, there are major events that's revealed in Scripture. And when I talk about major events that the Bible predicts or, or prophesies, these are not just major political events or world events or, or, or wars or things like that. It's even bigger than that. These are events that will affect the universe, will affect the sun, the moon, the stars, entire universe. That's, those are the kinds of events we're talking about that's being prophesied in Scripture. And it will also affect the spiritual realm. Not just the physical realm. And the study of future events in the Bible, this is, uh, this is what theologians call eschatology. It comes from the word eschathos, which means last. Or the, the meaning of that word eschatology, eschatology is the last things. Or the study of the last things. So try to answer that second question there. Uh, it's the last things. The last things. So we talk about this last Sunday. The reason why I want to go back to this discussion, because at the end of the ends, you know, at the end of all ends, Christ is going to destroy death. 
But prior to that event, there are other events that's going to happen. Before the final end, there are other things that's going to happen. And, and you remember this passage. We, we, we uh, discussed this last time. Uh, it's in uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 25. So this is the end of all ends. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last, okay, sorry, Jimmy. Can you go back to that? And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Okay, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So, this passage, this passage talks about the end of all ends. And at this point in time, Christ is going to destroy all his enemies. Even Satan, all the fallen angels are going to be destroyed. All the earthly and spiritual rulers, powers, authorities who oppose Christ will be destroyed. And listen to this. Even human beings, even people who are against Christ, who oppose Jesus Christ, at this point in time, they're going to be destroyed as well. Even people are going to be destroyed. But this passage tells us that the last enemy... I would say this is the biggest enemy that Jesus is going to destroy. It's not Satan. It's not Satan. It is death. Jesus is going to destroy death. That, that, this is just a, that is not a person. It is the concept of death, the idea of death, or the existence of death will cease to exist. Will cease to exist. Then Christ, what's going to happen after this Last moment in history, he's going to hand over his kingdom. If you are a believer in Christ, you are part of that kingdom. He's going to hand over the universe and entire creation in perfect condition at this time. And he's going to give this to God the Father. He's going he's to give this back to his Father. Now the question is, are there other events prior to this? Are there events, other events prior to this? There are. And that's what we're going to talk about more today. And it came from, it also comes from the amazing chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. So I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 15 on your own later on. Because it's really amazing. All the, even the, the end times, it's there. It's in 1 Corinthians 15. So let's go to this passage. Um, let's see. Start with the... Thanks, Jimmy, for taking care of that. Okay, um, so let's read this passage. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 to 28. And we're going to list down what are the events at the end of human history. What are the e events as prophesied in the Bible? Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, meaning the first fruits of those who died, for since death came to, to a man, the resurrection of death, death comes, from, comes also to a man. I hope you understand that. If 
if death came to a person, Adam and, Adam and Eve came to Adam, if death came to them, life is going to come to another person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Verse 22. For in Adam we all die. I hope you, remind, you know that. The reason, you guys, why we all end up on the grave is because of Adam. <laughs> so when you see Adam in heaven, you're going to say, you're going to talk to him and tell him, Adam, why? Why, Adam, why? <laughs> the reason why you have pimples and wrinkles? Adam. <laughs> and in verse, in, so in Christ, we will all be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then he comes, then when he comes to those who belong to him, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, as he dis, uh, after he destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign, that's an important point there, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything he has put under his feet, under him, it is clear that this does not include God the Father or God himself. He put everything under Christ. And when he, when he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so God may be all in all. Okay. What are the last things you find in this passage? Because this is talking about the end of time. But there are five things we can grab from this passage. In verse 20 and 21. Okay, uh, let's go back. In verse 20, can you go back to verse 20 and 21, Jimmy, on, on that passage? In verse 20 and 21, we, what we find is that in the last days, there's going, to be a, there's going to be resurrection of the dead. Let me just go to the list then. So that, and you look at the passage on your, uh, on your program. I, I, I believe I have put this here on our program. On the, on the right side, the verse is there. So just follow with me on your program. If you have a Bible, you read it on your Bible as well. So there are five things that you can... Find from this passage. Number one, in verse 20 and 21, there is the resurrection of the dead. Those who died a long time ago, those who, are, who died recently, are going to be brought back to life. Mabubuhay ulit. That's one thing that's going to happen. Secondly, uh, uh, so that, that first event uh, is what we call the rapture. You know, it's what we call the rapture. Uh, the resurrection of the dead. And those who are alive, we're going to be changed as well. We're going to be transformed. The second thing that you find in this passage in verse 22, verse uh, 22, for us in Adam, so Christ is made alive. But each in turn, let's see if I've got, got it right. Okay. Verse 22. Yeah, the return of Christ. Yeah. Verse, sorry, that's verse 23. Supposedly verse 23, the second one. Going back to that list. Can you take back to that list, Jimmy? 
So verse 23 says that the second thing that's going to happen is the return of Christ. In verse 20, Christ, the first fruits, when he comes, it talks about the coming of Christ. When he comes to those who belong to him, then it talks about in verse 24 that the end will come. So we, we got the resurrection of the dead, the return of Christ. In verse 24, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, as he after he destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. power. So it talks also about the handing over of the kingdom back to God the Father. And this is what we call the end of all ends. Um, and, and, in, and that fourth one is in verse 25. In verse 25, we find that Christ will reign. For he must reign until he put all his enemies under his feet. So there is the reign of Christ. Uh, I want to show you this passage. Uh, let me control this, Jimmy. And in Revelation 24, you find this passage. At the, at the bottom of this passage, it says there, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. A thousand years. And that thousand years is called the millennium, by the way. Millennium. The thousand years is a millennium. And, and this talks about Christ reigning on earth with those who belong to him, those who belong to him, who were, who were resurrected from the dead, and those who are alive, and gonna, they're going to reign with him for a thousand years, one thousand years on earth. So Jesus is going to come back and, and he's going to reign. He's going to be the king of this world physically. Then the last item there, is the judgment of Christ's enemy. That is verse 24 and 20, up to 26. That, that, that he hands over the kingdom after he destroys all dominion and puts his enemy under his feet and the last enemy will be destroyed is death. Okay, look at this list. Look at this list. Now those are the five things there on your, on your, uh, on your, on your answer sheet. It's obvious that none of this has happened yet. You agree? None of this has happened yet. Number one, look at the mirror. Look, look, when you look at the mirror in the morning, you still see imperfections in your face, right? You still, you still have this uh, belly here for some, some of us, except for a few of you. <laughs> We haven't been perfected yet physically. So there's no resurrection yet. Because if you remember, the resurrected body is going to be perfect. You know, if you're going to follow the theology of Marvin, <laughs> the prediction of Marvin, all of us are going to look like Absalom. So we're going to be very, very handsome, right? And as pretty as Esther. That's a joke. I don't know. You're going to probably look the same. But without all the imperfection, that's still good. Still better than what we have right now, right? Uh, the second thing, the return of Christ. Christ hasn't returned yet. It's obvious because our king, we don't have a king today that is Jesus Christ. We don't have an earthly king or leader or president that is Jesus. Because he himself is going to be our world leader when that happens. Third thing, handing over uh, of God's kingdom to the Father. That talks about the perfection of the universe. But since death is still existing then 
then it's not yet here. There are still things that are dying today. So, And the reign of Christ, of course, it's not yet here. And as a, in a physical sense, and the judgment of Jesus' enemies, has the, are the enemies of Christ judged already today? Nope. Satan is still running around in this world. He still, do, he still continues doing what he's always been doing for thousands of years. So clearly, none of this are here today or existing today. Therefore, these are things that's going to happen later on in the future. Okay? Now, there's, there's a concern about this list because this has been a debate or a, 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 a a source of conflict among Christians for thousands of years. And that, 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 that discussion is as to, number one, when is this going to happen? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, what is the right sequence? <laughs> what is the right sequence? What's the, what's the right order there? Which one goes first? Which one goes last? So, so as a church... I don't want you to argue about this. I don't want you to be quarreling with one another about this as to when is this going to happen and as to what the order this, is, this should be. Because this has been an, a, a source of disagreement for the last 2,000 years. So I'm not, if this was not resolved in the last 2,000 years, it's, gonna, it's not going to be resolved in our church today. We're not going to be able to fix to figure out what we, when is this going to happen and what's the right order. And, and, and you know, Jesus said himself uh, in John, okay, got the right verse there, John 21, 22, he said that, uh, oh, sorry, let me just point out this one comment here. This was already a concern with the disciples. Even the disciples, they had issues with this because if you remember, there was a time when, when, when Jesus told Peter, Peter, you're, this is how you're going to die. This is what's going to happen to you. And Peter told, told uh, uh, Jesus told Peter, uh, sorry, Peter told Jesus, hey, Jesus, uh, what about my brother John? What about him? Then Jesus said to Peter, if you want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Is it, in the, in the point is, uh, that's it. Uh, why do you care? It's not your, you don't have to figure, it's not your, it's not your problem. If John is going to be alive or is going to die, Peter, that's not your concern. It is my concern. And, and because of this word, of this statement of Jesus, the disciples thought that John is not going to die. That he's going to remain alive until Jesus returns. So even back then, 2,000 years ago, they thought that Jesus is going to come back. And it's been going on for year after year after year after year, thousands of years now, 2,000 years now. People are still speculating, okay, what day, what time is Jesus going to be arriving? So let me just say this. Don't waste your time on these things. Don't waste your time in figuring out what day, what time, what year Jesus is going to come. That's not our problem. That's not our concern. It's a waste of time. There are more important matters to figure out. There are lots of people going to hell and you need to share the gospel. There are lots of Christians who claim to be Christians but are living in sin. They say they're Christians but they're in their workplace. They, they don't give a good image of Christ. They're not good representatives of Christ. 
They destroy the image of Christ by the way they live. They smoke, they drink, and they talk things. They say, I am a Christian, but how they live doesn't show Christ. And you know, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're doing that, God is going to do something. He's going to discipline you. Because you, one of the grievous things, one of the worst things a Christian can do is misrepresent Christ. Is misrepresent the church. And in the Bible, when you misrepresent Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Christ, He can destroy your life. He can take out your life. Because that's the worst thing a believer can do. It's not killing someone or stealing. Yeah, although I know you will not do that. You often think that killing someone and stealing is the worst thing a Christian can do. Not. Worst thing is misrepresenting Christ. And so, and so let's focus on sharing the gospel and discipling people. Because there are lots of people who need to grow in their faith. If you're not going to disciple people around you, Christians around you, they're going to remain baby Christians and they're going to live lives that are dishonoring God. Because no one is helping them rise above that situation. Because as being a Christian is not just by name. You need to grow. You need to grow and know Christ more and live according to the way Christ wants you to live. And it needs the help of other Christians. I need to be there to help people grow in their faith. You also need to do that. That's why we have this discipleship in our church, one-on-one discipleship. Someone meeting with you on a regular basis and helping you grow in the process. And if you're not involved in this, then I can assure you, you're crawling on the ground as Christians. Because that's what happened to me. I didn't grow as a Christian until... I was, became involved in a church. I became involved in Bible study. But I also became involved with, you know, when, when someone took care of me. Treated me as his son. As a spiritual son. And helped me in my journey. So we need that kind of person in this church. Each of you, you have that responsibility towards other believers. To care for them. So this is what Jesus said. He said, concerning the day and all. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of God, but the Father only. For for us were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He said, no one will know the time. So let's stop speculating. We might know the season. Of course, the Bible teaches that. We'll talk about it next week. But the exact date and time? I remember back when I was in college, there was this rumor that the end of the world is going to happen. I think it was around October or something. Month was October. And you know that night, I, I, I was ready because I was already a Christian. So I started praying that night. I said, Lord, anytime I'm ready, I'm just going to go there. Because <laughs> if this is, today is the end of the world, then I'm ready. Good that I was, I was okay in my Christian faith back then. But after that, no, that was not a good time. <laughs> but that, at that very moment, I was, I was, I was sort of ready. Then year 2000 came, and again, there's this rumor, rumors that by the, the, the turn of the millennium, something major is going to happen. But what happened back in the year 2000? The clock just turned from 1999, oh no, the year turned from 1999 to 2000, and what happened? Crickets. <laughs> Nothing happened. Nothing happened. So why are we wasting our time on this, right? Why are people wasting their time on this? And 
So, there's something about God, God's character. Why He's not giving us the time, exact time, and the right sequence. There's something about God's character. You know that God, when you read the Bible, you notice this, that God doesn't give formulas. Doesn't give us step-by-steps. You know, there's no verse in the Bible that tells you the 10 steps to becoming a better Christian. You don't find that in the Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that tells you, you know, uh, the, the three steps or the, the three steps for you to be filled with the Spirit. You do this, you do this, and you do this, then you're going to be filled with the Spirit. You don't find that in the Bible. Why is that? Even right now, I could not even figure out what's the formula for being filled with the Spirit. There's, there's no procedure. There's no steps. You try reading Acts. There's no clear direction or steps to be filled with the Spirit. And it goes with many other things in the Bible. How many burning bush, burning bush experiences or, or events you read in the Bible? How many burning bush events you find in the Bible? How many? Only one. <laughs> only one. It only happened to Moses. No one can say, oh, I have my own burning bush experience as well. I met God in a bush that was burnt, but that was on fire and God talked to me. It never happened again. How many fleas experiences do we have in the Bible? Gideon. Remember Gideon? Only one. A lot of the things that's going on in the Bible is very, very unique. And you know why God is like this? Because He does not want us to put our faith on the process. He does not want us to put our faith on procedures and formulas and steps and methods. That's not the kind of faith Christians must have. Our faith is in the person of Christ. Our, our faith and trust is in a person, not in a procedure. Because if you're going to depend on the procedure and the process, that procedure and process becomes your God. Becomes your God. It's going gonna, it's gonna to replace God. Because the Christian life is not a religion, but it's a relationship with God. It's a love relationship. So what God wants you to depend on is Him. Him. Him as a person. You know, there's a lot of views over the century. There's several views on what's the sequence. So let me say this first. No fighting over this, okay? <laughs> no fighting over this. What's the right sequence? If you're really into the Bible, no, no fighting. But historically... This is what was believed as the proper sequence. This, 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 uh, this uh, view, I would just say this is a view, a certain view. It's called the premillennialism view. And it's been around for a long time. It's the historic view on what is the proper sequence. I'm just going to give you the historic view that's been uh, agreed for a long time. It, there's a lot of variations. But by the way, this is just a view. This is not something you're going to say, oh, this is exactly the sequence. No, I don't want you to think like that. This is just one of the views that has been accepted historically um, in terms of, uh, I would say, it is, uh, it is the classic view on how it is sequenced. So in your list, on the right side, there's blanks there. So you write the number and write 
then the sequence according to the premillennial view. So this is the proper sequence, or the, sorry, the, the sequence according to the premillennial view. The time sequence of the end times. The first thing is going to happen, which we're, the first thing that we Christians are expecting is the return of Christ. That's number one. The return of Christ is number one there. And, and it is what we call the second coming of Jesus. Jesus is going to return physically back to earth. Then second, the second event uh, right after that, it's just going to be immediate, very quick. Just after Jesus returns, in just a twinkling of, of an eye, something else is going to happen. It is the resurrection of the dead. So those two, they're probably can say they, they happen at the same time, almost at the same time, in, in just a millisecond. I don't know how long, but it's going to be very, very close. It is the resurrection of all the dead, and all who are alive are going to be transformed. Our bodies are going to be transformed. This is called the rapture. Then the next thing that's going to happen, after all these things are going to happen, Jesus, by the way, remember, he's coming down from heaven and meeting all those people who are being resurrected in the air. They're all in the skies now. Everyone is there. All of us are going to be in the sky. There's going to be a big reunion up there meeting with Jesus, and he's going to come down on earth and stay here for a thousand years, and that is what we call the millennium kingdom, which is the reign of Christ. So that's that ne next event. And during that period, Christ is going to change the universe. We, don't, we will talk about it much later, maybe, if we have time, not today. But something, some changes are going to happen with the universe. And at the end of that period, there is the judgment of all Christ's enemies. It is during the time that Satan is going to be destroyed. And all his demons, angels, are going to be destroyed. Then, everything is going to be perfected once again. There is no death anymore at that point. No one has any wrinkle or anything. Uh, I'm just, sorry, I'm always using wrinkle because, by the way, uh, growing old is a product of sin. That's, blame Adam again. <laughs> That's the reason why we grow old. Because, you know, sin. <laughs> uh, then, the last event, which is what we read in 1 Corinthians 15, the end of all ends, is Jesus, this entire universe, and all of creation, and all of humanity, and all of the ones that belong to him, of course, will be handed back to the Father at the end. This is the pre-millennial view. Now, uh, First wonder, the return of Jesus is what we call the second coming. Remember the first time Jesus came to earth. How did Jesus came to earth the first time? As a baby. And what was the situation? What was the circumstance? He was born to a young family, Mary and Joseph, and they were not rich, right? They were, they were, they were, poor. they were not, you know, they didn't have much money, but under, um, sorry, I, I accidentally clicked that, but that's okay. Uh, Jesus came as a humble baby. He, his life was, initial early life was obscure. It was not well known. A few people knew about his birth. A few people knew about his birth. You got the shepherds, let me see if I skip some passages. Okay. 
uh, a few people knew about his birth. And, and he was only, uh, he only became uh, a public figure, meaning people got to know him or public got to know Jesus after, uh, after 30 years. He was, only, he was already 30 years old when he started his ministry. So his first 30 years, no one really knew much about Jesus. He was not, you know, he was not a public figure. So imagine just three years. Jesus, three, year, three years of, in the public, and he was crucified after that. But this time, when Jesus is going to return, Is there Acts 1, 6 to 7, Jimmy? Can you put Acts 1, 6 to 7? But when Jesus returns, the Bible says that everyone will see him. Everyone will know. So, so this is in Acts 1, 6. Uh, let me just read to you Acts 1, 6. It's not there. Um, if you have your Bible, you open this. Acts 1, 6 gives us the prophecy of Jesus coming. One of the prophecies of Jesus coming. And I'm going to read starting with verse 6 of Acts 1, 6. Very good, good. Verse 6. Acts 1 6 is the moment when Jesus, this was the moment when Jesus was returning back to heaven. He was being, he's ascending back to heaven. And 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 this is what was what happened. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Then he said to them, It is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. So, so there's again the passage that says, you know, it's not us for us to know the time and dates. So he's talking about the restoration of Israel, but he also talks about the second coming. It also connects to that. But Jesus said in verse 8, he said, In the meantime, I, would, I just added that comment here, my comment. In the meantime, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That statement there talks about us today, the church, that our task is to be witnesses, meaning to share the gospel and to disciple people and to help them grow. And that's the job of the church. That, is, that summarizes everything we're supposed to do as a church. Be witnesses by sharing the gospel and helping people grow in their faith. And that they themselves, in turn, will become witnesses as well. So, so it's, a, it's a cyclical process. Uh, then, what verse 9 says, move to verse 9, and he said this. After, after he said this, he, has, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. So Jesus was now floating back up in the sky, returning to heaven. And everyone there, we don't know how many people, probably hundreds of people, uh, or more, uh, yeah, hundreds of people, and they were looking at Jesus going up to heaven, and suddenly, of course, he he was so high that they were not were not able to see him anymore. Uh, verse nine says the cloud hid him, and as they were looking up, and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. There were two people that just that just showed up miraculously. Then these two men were actually angels. And this angel said, Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? 
this same Jesus you had seen taken from taken to you into heaven, meaning this Jesus that went up to heaven, will come back the same way you have seen him go into the hev into heaven. Meaning the way you saw him go up there, later on, he's gonna come back the same way. The passage that Ken read earlier describes that moment that Jesus, uh, the moment Jesus comes back in 1 Thessalonians 16 to 18. I'm going to read to you the same passage that our brother Ken read earlier. For the Lord himself, so you, you, it will come down from heaven. So imagine Jesus coming down from heaven with a loud sound. With the voice of the archangel, so probably Michael, the archangel, is going to say, I don't know what you say in mili the military, but maybe he's going to shout something, giving commands to all the angels in heaven to prepare as they come back to earth. As Jesus comes back to earth with all his angels. After the sound of the archangel, by the way, archangel means commanding angel. He is basically the commander of, 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 of the Lord's army. And with a trumpet call of God, not only the archangel giving a command, but there's trumpets, it's music probably. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So this is the resurrection. All those who, Christians who died from the beginning of time, thousands and millions and billions probably, they're going to rise from their graves. All the graves are going to open up and they're going to be bring, brought back to life. Wow, what a sight would it be. And those, the souls of those who are in heaven are going to come down and gonna, they're going to rejoin back with their bodies. You know, for you today, it might seem so outrageous, but this is what the Bible is teaching. You might be thinking, wow, this is some stuff of movies. <laughs> or this is just fantasy. No. This is what the Bible is teaching. And those, if you're still alive during that day, your body is just going to be transformed. And we're all going to fly up in heaven uh, towards the sky and meet Says there, after that, we who are still alive, if you're there, if let's say if any of you are during, uh, alive during this time, uh, still alive, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. Wow. All of us are, all, you know, in movies you have Superman who's, who's really able to fly well, I, you know. But all of us are going to be Superman that day. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with his words. This is one of the things we need to encourage one another consistently. Now, there are other things that's going to happen before this. And we, don't, we are not going to discuss that today. Maybe that's something I'll talk about after next week. But this is what Jesus reminds us. So you must be ready for this. Because the Son of Man will come at an, hour, at an hour you will not expect. This time we will not know, but the, the, the reality is it's going to come at a time that you will not be expecting, that no one will be expecting. So you need to be ready all the time, anytime, because this is going to happen suddenly. Suddenly. And, and every person in this world... Those people who don't believe in him, people that believe in him, atheists, communists, whatever, whatever person you are, Republican, liberal, whatever, is going to see him that day. And even if you're an atheist, that day you're going to kneel down because every person is going to see him. 
every person who don't believe in Jesus will believe that day already. Because you're seeing him coming down from the sky. What else can you do? You will say, oh, I don't believe in Jesus. But you're seeing him, seeing him coming down. Every person is going to see him. According to Revelation 1.7, it, it, um, it says... Um, Can you go to Revelation 1-7? I have it, Jimmy. Okay. Revelation 1-7. Look, he's coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. He's talking about the Jews. The Jews were the ones back then, you know, crucified him. And that's what it describes the Jews. Even those who pierce him. By the way, at this point in his time in history, many Jews reject Jesus. They don't believe that he's the son of God. They don't believe that he is the Messiah. But even during the time, the people that rejected him, you're going to see him. And all peoples of the earth, listen to that word, word, will mourn because of him. So when Jesus returns, it's not a joyful, happy thing for the people of the world. It's not. It's going to be a joyful thing for Christians, but you're not here anymore because you're, you're up there. So, so whoever is left on earth are the people who don't believe in him. Because by the time Jesus returns, it will be too late for them. That's why people of the earth are going to mourn. Because the reason why Jesus is going to come is because he's going to judge. And he's coming as a king of kings and lord of lords. But he's also going to come as a judge. As a righteous judge. And in Revelation, this is my second to the last passage ending here. You know, John, the youngest apostle, he was the one who lived up to the 90s, meaning 90, year 90, around 90, 95 AD. He was the last of the apostles. And he had this vision in the island of Patmos. And he wrote the book of Revelation, which includes, which pretty much is a prophetic book. Everything there is prophecy. And and, and as if John is giving us a telescope, you know, as Jesus comes down from heaven, and, and you, you know that he's going to come down with all the angels. But, but John, in, his, in the Revelation 19, gave us somewhat of a telescope. And being able to see clearly what is going on there, let me read this to you. It's like, it's like a closer view on Jesus coming. It's in verse 11 of, uh, of Revelation chapter 19. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his hand, heads, head are many crowns. He has the name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood talks about his crucifixion and his death on the cross. His name is the word of God. In John 1.1 1, 1, we are told that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and lived among us and that person that lived among us who became flesh is Jesus Christ. That's why the word of God refers to Jesus. 14. The armies of heaven imagine millions and millions of armies 
angel armies following following him. All of them are riding white horses as well. Dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Imagine that sight. Have you seen an army that's composed of millions and millions of soldiers? And they're not just ordinary soldiers. Angels. Wow. What would that sight be like? And the Bible tells us that the universe is going to darken and the heavens will just and a bright light will just show from heaven and clouds will open. And you see Jesus leading an army of angels coming back to earth. Wow. That's an amazing sight. Coming out of his mouth is sharp sword. I cannot imagine that. Which to strike down the nations. He's going to bring judgment to the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter as he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Wow, that's what John saw at the very moment. In his vision. So brothers and sisters, believers in Christ, encourage you with these words. That this is our blessed hope. You know, Paul told Titus in, 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 um, that this is our blessed hope. Uh, I, I just want to show you the battle hymn of Republic. By the way, the battle hymn of, Re- of the Republic, it's, I think it's a, it was a song sang during the Civil War, right? It's a Civil War song or something? Or one of the one of the older, older songs in this, this country, the United States, who has, and it talks about the second coming. It talks about this very verse. It says, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. It's, it's in that verse. It's in that verse. Where the grapes of wrath are stored, he had loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible sweet sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Street is marching on. You notice those passages. It says, He sounded in forth the trumpet. I shall never call retreat. He's sitting out the hearts. Of, he is sitting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Street is marching on. In the beauty of his lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. Talks about the resurrection. He died to make men holy. Let us die to make men free, meaning you need to give your lives for others through teaching, through sharing the gospel, through discipleship. And sometimes it's going to cost your life while God is marching. Isn't it amazing? It's in that song. Second coming. This is our blessed hope, my brothers and sisters. This is the source of our excitement as Christians. If you're struggling right now, if people are persecuting you, if the world looks more evil than yesterday, you feel that you're without hope in this world, this is where we're heading. This is the final end. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good for you believers. But if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, you haven't accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, you're in a bad, bad situation. Let me be honest about this, truthful about this. 
you're not in a good situation. 